What's happening, everyone? It's Tyler from Five Tool Productions, and this is the Create Smarter Podcast. Now, on today's episode, we're talking to my former boss, chief marketing officer, and good friend, Teresa Coffee Gordon. We talk about transitioning from the corporate world to running your own business, how to approach marketing as a whole, and why giving back is the new black. It's going to be a great one, and it starts right now. So we welcome in Teresa. Teresa, how are you? I'm great, Tyler. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you so much for, I mean, I'm, to be honest with you, I'm just personally pumped to have you on because obviously you're one of my mentors, worked for you for, it's strange. I only worked for you technically like one year. But Is that all? That's really wow. all. But we were like been in contact, each other obviously, for so, long. for so long since then. And obviously uh, it's been nothing but a great relationship. So I'm pumped to have you on for sure. So you are now of the coffee exchange. So explain to me, how, how do you describe, what is the coffee exchange? What do you do? We are a marketing consulting company, basically working across industry to help businesses, large and small, nonprofit and for-profit, market themselves. Get their name out there, tell their, their story. Get their name out there, tell their story. Uh, we do strategic planning as well, and we've recently gotten into venture philanthropy. Very cool. So with, I'm kind of curious, we'll talk about you know external businesses, what, what they need to do, how can they do. But what, one thing I've never actually asked you, we've had kind of sidebar conversations, but we've never talked about you worked for massive companies, you've worked for kind of medium-sized companies, and then all of a sudden now you've got your own. How's that transition been for you? <laughs> it's interesting. It's got to be it you know, a wild interesting. ride. Yes, I've worked, as you said, for many large companies over the years, and having your own business is completely different. I mean, a lot of the skills that I learned working as the chief marketing officer for companies um, have helped. But when you're the chief cook, bottle washer, you're doing everything. So there's no um, extra budget. There's no resources at you know your fingertips. You have to do everything and figure it out yourself. There's no Jane, Paul, and Susie that are sitting down the hall that you can go ask, no. right? No, and there's things you know that I've learned along the way. I mean, not only the administrative side of it, as well as you're a salesperson, so you're selling your business, you're selling yourself, you're branding yourself, so you're using those marketing tools. You're doing all the back office stuff. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of things that having been an executive, um, you don't necessarily learn until you are you have your own business. And, and it's funny, too, because you work so long to become an executive, to get that kind of C in your title, right? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you say, well, I'm now, when I'm starting my own business, I'm kind of starting and I'm doing a, a lot of those entry-level things that I totally didn't even realize were existing at the point in time. So true. It's It's just kind of wild the way it works. But it's... It's fun at the same time, too. It's fun, the flexibility, the reward um, to see what you've created um, yourself. Mm -hmm. And um, to have that come back to you is just amazing. Yeah, you're paving the way for yourself, which is cool. That's right. the fun part, which I think a lot of our listeners are kind of in that similar boat. And some folks, whether they started as a side hustle, something on the side, and then eventually transitioned, or they just kind of doubled down and said, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to make this work one way or another. It, it is fun along the way. But one of the things that I think you and I can talk about today that is kind of interesting is the whole idea of 
building a brand versus building a business. Is it different? Because I've heard people say, well, building a brand is much different than building a business. In your mind, is it one and the same? You're building a business while building a brand? Or is it, nope, you either build a brand or you build a business in a sense? I think to be successful, you have to have a brand um, Mm -hmm. and and a business, obviously. And I think you're right. People start a business and they eventually grow into a brand. I think the best way to do it is to create a brand and then start your company around that. So what does that mean when you say startup? How do you, how does one start a brand? Do you just put pen to paper and kind of a brain dump? How, how do you start that process? I think it's finding who what what service can you offer? What is, what is your product? What are you going to offer? And who are you offering it to? And if you can find ten people that will thank you and want that product and and refer you to others, you've started to create a brand and the company as well. But I think if you start with that, that's ideally the way to go. Mm-hmm. And I always, you know, so many people, I, I hear it, they say, I have a brand, I've got a logo, <laughs> right? I've got, no, that, that's, there's so much more to it. It's, it's a living thing, right? It, there's right. so much more than just what it looks like, right? It, it has to be, what does it sound like? What does it feel like? What's the emotion that other people have when they interact with your brand too, right? I mean, just, just talk to that a little bit. There's so much more to it. I mean, people, when they hear brand, what does that really mean? Well, I think you're right. A lot of people get caught up in the logo and the colors and the location and all of that. That's nothing. Mm-hmm. The brand is basically what is what is the essence? What is the emotion, as you said? What is the essence of what you're selling and what you're offering to me? Um, so I do consulting. Mm-hmm. And it's it could be a cookie cutter approach where, you know, I do the same thing for, you know, XYZ client and whatever. Um, but what I try to offer is a real value to my client, really understanding what their product, what their problem is and how do I solve it for them and partner with them to do it. And so to me, that was the idea of the coffee exchange. It's, it's not just me telling you what to do. It's me working with you in exchange of ideas to understand, okay, what is the problem? What resources do we have to solve it? And how can I best help you? And t- if I can do that, that will be my identity in the marketplace. That will then be- become my brand. And that's true across every single t- you know, silo out there, right? I don't care if you're, you're selling shoes, <laughs> if you are a marketing consultant, if you're a builder you need to kind of have that value proposition where how am I providing value? And I think from a marketing perspective, that's you're trying to tell that story. Here's how I can help you. Here's the problems that I think you might have. Here's how I can try to answer that, right? right. So with that, how does, when you walk into a company and they say, I have no idea where to start from marketing, what's the first thing you do? Where do you kind of get get rolling from? And it's, that's the most loaded question I can ask you. But how do you kind of get started? I think it really has to do with like, what is the problem that you're trying to solve? And a lot of people don't know what that problem is. So trying to elicit from them, okay, what's the symptom actually? What's the problem? Um, is it you need more sales? Or people don't know your brand? or you know, I'm new into this marketplace. It's really trying to understand what is the biggest issue, like what's the core of that versus trying to drive more leads in. Anyone can do that. We can all drive more leads into the business, but are they gonna actually convert for you? 
and they'll only convert if they see value in what you can offer them. So is it a lead issue, you just want leads, or is it you know, an identity issue where people don't really understand what you can offer them? See, I'm hearing this. I'm thinking right now, like, okay, what do I need to do for my business in a sense? Okay, I can go get leads. I can go run a Facebook campaign. I can do an email, um, pay $3,000 for an email and generate a ton of leads. Mm -hmm. But unless I can really explain to them how I'm going to help them, what what good are the leads, right? right? And are those the the right people? And, you know, I, I say the right people for a purpose because I think that's the other thing that I think a lot of folks do is they say, okay, I have I have a brand. I think I have a brand. I want the world to know. I need to shout from the mountaintops. That's okay maybe for Nike if they want to tell the world about their sneakers, but unless you have a product that is going to reach literally everyone. I mean, the Super Bowl, we're recording this the day after the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl was last night. There's only a few brands that are going to be really trying to reach that mass audience. Talk to the importance of kind of tailoring your message to the people with those problems because that that's everything. Absolutely. You're 100% right. You're like wasting money if you're trying to apply to the masses and your product really applies to 2%. So who is that 2%? Really identify who will miss me if I'm not there? Who will thank me when I am there? Like what is that audience? And then really go for that. And it doesn't have to be just because you have – a thousand followers or ten thousand followers it doesn't mean anything unless they're engaged with you and they're actually going to buy and use your services so it's a matter of really honing in on who is your target audience and doesn't matter how big it is it could be as I said before ten people those ten people have ten friends you know and, and if you can really hone in on it I think that's the most valuable business is when you really know who your audience is, you've identified it, and you can talk to them in an authentic way every day. How do you go about finding those 10 people? If your business is, how do you uncover those rocks to find those 10 people? I think really, I mean, you gave a great example earlier before we were um, on this about someone who actually went out and, and pulled permits for, you know, the, the service that they were offering. Um, I think it's, I don't know, it's grassroots. Yeah, it, it starts, it, you have to. And I think that's as small business owners especially, you have to think like, okay, people aren't just going to, it's not a, what was the movie? Feel the dreams. If you build it, they will come, right? That right. doesn't happen anymore. There's no. so many competitors out there. And there's very, and that's the one thing I've kind of seen. It's like, there's not so many folks out there that you say, I'm the only person living in this category. There are so many competitors for you out there. So you have to try to cut through and find the right people. And like you said, I've seen plenty of people on Instagram that have hundreds of thousands of followers. But are those the people that are going to be paying for them? Are those the people that are going to be buying their services? I don't necessarily know if that's true or not. So going out, I think the the example we interviewed uh, Matt Curie on this podcast uh, about a month or so ago. And just to reiterate the story for the listeners, he went out and found <clears throat> all the people. So his business is Pool Pals, cleans pools for a living. When he first started out, he went to all the neighboring towns, pulled the permits of people that had a pool built within the last 40 years. That way, when he was doing kind of a direct mail, putting a flyer in the mail, he wasn't sending it to every single home in you know the, the Rentham 
Franklin, Norfolk area. He was sending it to the hundred homes that have had, that he knew for fact had pools. That is tailoring your message, not just because you're going to reach the right people, but you're also spending a whole heck of a lot less because you're not trying to spray and pray to the masses too. So that's kind of the, the biggie there and, you know, stretching your marketing budget a little bit more too. Yeah, I think if you actually look at whatever the services that you want to offer and look at your competition. So create an access and say, okay, I offer XYZ service. Um, I'm a marketing consultant. I am in this price range. So I need clients that can afford my rates. So I'm looking for, you know, medium to large size companies that can afford and understand what I do from a marketing perspective. Who else is doing that? What's the sweet spot? Is there a particular industry that I should be focusing on? Is there, um, are there a particular companies that I should be looking at? But honing in on exactly what I should do so there's no waste, as you just said. I'm not marketing myself across any industry, any size company, people that can't afford my services, people that are not interested in my services. I'm really looking for that little niche, niche, <laughs> no, it, it makes makes total sense. And I remember when, well, obviously, for that one great year that we worked together, we went through the process of sitting down to look at the personas. And we had something that was interesting there because there were, to give you a little background, uh, Teresa and I worked for a luxury chain of health clubs. And these clubs were in San Francisco, Boston, New York City, Miami and Washington, D.C. With that in mind, every single area had a different type of person, right? Yeah, I remember um, the folks down in Miami said, your ads, your things aren't flashy enough. It's not grabbing the attention there. Or D.C., it was, these are politicians. They're a lot more buttoned up. And Boston versus Chestnut Hill was also a, a much different crowd. It was one a little bit older and one was a little bit younger. So I think going through that process of figuring out who the persona is and the persona being is it a male female is it aged 22 to 35 or is it age 55 to 75 which was for me that was the i said okay we're marketing a gym great people that love to work out that's not the truth it's how can you help the people that maybe are busy because they're running a fortune 500 company right and they don't have that much time how can they squeeze in a work and work out in and then have a meeting right next door, right? So it's trying to tell that story just a little bit more using the personas. Now, have you used that exercise, you know, since then? I mean, I remember that that was just incredibly helpful for me, but. Yes, I have actually. Um, it's, it's, it is helpful to actually picture, and I think they actually call them avatars now. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I think you're right. I do um, think you're right. But it is, it's, you know, if you can picture who your target audience is, it's a lot easier to find them. And as you said, when, when we worked in the health club space, there were, you know, we had different geographic areas, different ages. Um, it, and one thing that they did all have in common was they all wanted to live a healthy lifestyle. And I think mm -hmm. if you can find what that commonality is, um, that becomes your mantra, part of your mission is to solve whatever that problem is. So even though there were busy executives, there were young people that wanted to meet other people, they all did have one thing in common, and that was living a healthy lifestyle. 
And I think it's exciting to be a part of that community. And if you can create that for your small business, where your clients are excited to be a part of whatever it is that you're selling and servicing, I think that's the, the magic sauce. How did you tailor things after that? So you thought, I'm sure when you first set out, you said we're probably going to be reaching these people at the the big firms or big corporate. And then it started to change the persona. The end people that were getting involved was actually different than what you had originally thought. Do you tailor the message after that? Or do you say, okay, nope, we're actually just tailoring it to those people instead? How does that change? No, I think it does change. And I think it's something that you said earlier where it's not about the logo. The logo means nothing. It's about the message. So now that we understand whether, you know, it's a health club industry and people, you know, of all demographics want to live a healthy lifestyle, who Mm -hmm. are those people? How do you signal to them across different Um, social media and other marketing tactics the same thing with philanthropy is um, you now know what the core message is what 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 are people actually buying a healthy lifestyle a cure for cancer and then you tailor your marketing materials and and your channels to Mm -hmm. that I agree The, the measurement is just insanely important to see what does and doesn't work can you also kind of get into the weeds though with measurement, I mean, I, I know I've seen it before where people want to measure so much that you're measuring every last click, every single um, email that comes in, every single phone call that goes out. Can you almost get so wrapped up with all this big data and all the data points that are available to us that it's almost counterproductive in a sense? Yeah, I think you can. Obviously, a lot of people do get lost in the weeds, but I think that's this where a good entrepreneur business owner really has to step back and look at the big picture and say, okay, I can't, you know, get into analysis paralysis on this. I have to like pull myself up and see what is going to help me grow this business and look at the channels and big picture. Okay, which ones are working? How successfully are they working? And which ones aren't and make those decisions versus like getting into so much data that you can't even make a decision. Yeah, I was going to say, everybody talks about the big data. It's all, all these things are available to us. But I know I found myself in particular just looking at an individual channel and say, okay, yes, Facebook's working or yes, email is working or direct mail is working. I'll go into the, the nitty gritty details of this person interacted with this, that person interacted with it. You'll go crazy and you'll mm-hmm. waste way too much time, especially as a a small business owner in particular, that is just a nightmare. <laughs> I 100% agree. It's fascinating. I'm, I'm always interested in the research, but you can totally get lost in the data and you have to be able to pull yourself back up and say, okay, if I'm going to spend another dollar, where am I going to spend it? Mm-hmm. Have ever in your career, whether it was with, you know, kind of your own company, whether it was the health club prior to that and market research, was there ever a time that you kind of just said, I know what the numbers are telling me, but I have a gut feeling that those really aren't telling the right story. Has that ever kind of come up for you in the past? Yes. Um, you know, I think, again, back to the the um, the clubs that we were working together at, um, when the economy went south and we knew that everyone was saying, you know, no one's buying luxury products anymore, so they're not going to buy the product um, they're not going to, you know, pay for uh, a club membership uh, at the with this state of the economy, and yet 
there was something in my gut, to your point, that there's something more here than a gym membership. And it was trying to get to what is the core of that? Like, why are people still, how can we find the people that are still willing to pay for our service, even though it's a bad economy? And we basically stripped it all back and, and looked at the personas and decided that um, really people will pay for this. And it's not just about, um, you know, working out. It's about the social aspects of it. It's to your point earlier, the entrepreneurs that are meeting other entrepreneurs that are conducting business there. And we rebranded the the the, um, the club experience to be, you know, the essentials of life. I mean, it, it is essential. Your health is important. And when the economy is going bad and you're stressed out or you, you lost your job and you need to find another job, you want to be fit. You want to be mentally and physically healthy. You want to... Um, have all of the the endorphins that um, can work in your favor. So to me, it was a time where you know we shouldn't necessarily cut back on marketing. Um, maybe change the way we market and change the message that we were coming out with, but not cut back completely um, and uh, stop what we were doing. Basically, just changing um, the messaging. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because you can see how messages change over the course of time just with the way the economy is going. I, I know for a fact uh, my prior employer after the health club, one thing that we found that was insanely interesting was everything changed and we had to change our marketing perspective when uh, at, during the last inauguration we saw on January 18th, so I worked for a company that did um, vacation rentals on the Cape and Island. And to kind of start January is always when people would really start looking for a vacation rental, which w- was great. We always knew January 1st, it would get rolling. We'd have people looking for a vacation right then and there. But right when Inauguration Day happened, it was like January 18th and the new administration had taken over, we started things, started to change a lot. And people were a little more worrisome and wondering what was going to happen. So all of a sudden, searches and inquiries started to dip down. And it was such a change because people, like anything, change is different. People can't accept it right away. Um, and this is, I'm not saying anything because it goes, I don't care who you voted for. This was people, we just saw a change on that day specifically for the next couple of months that there was a drop an increase. So we had to change our marketing and change our approach and how we were telling things slightly differently because there was a bit of an uneasy feel of where things were going to go. There's a new president in and people weren't sure what was going to happen with the economy. So we, we did have to kind of change and tailor that. So you have to understand and that's where kind of measurement comes into play and say, okay, maybe this isn't working right now. Maybe it will work later on, but we do have to change and we have to pivot a little bit and figure out what does work for this new set of people that are trying to maybe go on vacation. So we did see that. And I think, you know, what we were talking about applies to this as well. So it's really understanding that person. So the person still wants a vacation. They're just a little nervous right now. So how do you signal to them? How do you message to them? You know, that it's okay. You know, we have a new president. It's a change in administration. Life goes on, and you're going to still want that vacation when June mm-hmm. and July roll around. So how do you talk to them? 
how do you get them to continue with what their goal is um, and understand in, in, that there is you know, some apprehension right now because mm-hmm. of what's happening with the government. And, and you mentioned you know, the, from the, the mental aspect, that's really where we put it. And we changed the messaging to, oh, go on a family vacation and make memories, which was great, still worked, to there's so much clutter in your life and everything's kind of crazy on social every time you log on with everybody yelling at each other that salt water heals all wounds and kind of mm-hmm. gives you a fresh perspective and puts you at ease a little bit more. So that, that was just the exactly what you're saying from the health club perspective. like. Get, get your mind right, not just your body right. Mm-hmm. And that was the same thing from a vacation. Don't just go because you need to take that family vacation, but because you need to relax. You need to unplug for a minute. So that that's how we sold that experience in mm-hmm. a sense too. So l- let's move on um, and talk about some of the things that you, kind of you're doing now. How interesting is the whole philanthropist thing right now? Because it's it seems like we're seeing more and more of that all over the place. It is so interesting. And I think it's... Um People want to do good and do well. And I think a lot, I mean, I'll use my daughter as an example. A lot of um, younger people uh, want to really understand where their products come from. My daughter would, you know, years ago decided that she was only going to buy shoes from Tom's Mm -hmm. because they give back a percentage of what she pays. Buy a pair, give a pair, right? Give a pair. And, um, it just struck me that someone so young really cared where the shoes came from and where her money was going. And she lives her life that way now. And I think a lot more people do that, and not just younger people. I think, uh, you know, other people will um, really care, like, where the money's going and can they do good with it as well as get the services and products that they're looking for. And I think a lot of companies are, are really offering that now. Do you think that's a marketing tactic or do you think companies really believe it? Because that's the one thing I struggle with. I wonder if they really, you know, in their heart and in their core as a business, do they really believe that? Or is it just a way to get their name out there? It's like, oh, this is another company we give back to. I think, unfortunately, I think both are happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the consumer really eventually finds the truth the companies that are really giving back, not just the companies that say that they're giving back and, you know, for every dollar that you spend, so much is going here. Um, I think people really want to feel that their dollars are making an impact. And so they're going to look for the companies that support whatever they support um, in the biggest way. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, I think my wife says it all the time because she's very similar to your daughter. Now it's, I mean, I can lift up my shoes right now and I've got a pair of Toms on myself because my wife said, no, no, this is, you know, who, who we should go. But the line she uses all the time is giving back is the new black, that that's what companies are starting to do and, and need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, with that in mind, it's one of those things that I always kind of look at and say, I want to help. I want to, I would love to help and have my business. But at a certain point, I say, I also need to make sure that my kids can eat. I can eat too. So that there's kind of that balance too, isn't it? I mean, you have to kind of, do you weigh it or do you just say, nope, if this is what you believe in, you're going to go all in for it. I mean, well, I think that, 
you know, not every business starting out is able to to actually give right away. Mm-hmm. I think what you're giving is a, a, a product or a service that's solving someone's problem. So you're already giving um, mm-hmm. something back because you're giving it to your clients. That's a good I, way to think of it. I didn't think of it that way. That's a good way to I think put it. Ultimately, um, if you can and you have a cause that like fits with your business and you know ultimately that's a goal of yours that you know your business aligns with you know clean water or some other solution you can add that into it um i don't think that every business right off the bat is going to be able to afford to do that Mm -hmm. how do you talk businesses into doing it because i know that's part of your role now (laughs) it's interesting i again i think it's finding knowing who your persona is finding the best message the best ways to reach them and they'll find you um is is what i'm finding in philanthropy is people do want to make a difference um they just don't know how and if you can signal to them again in the right way the right message the right package in the right channels they'll find you and then once you find that you've got a tribe or a group of following, you see what they have in common, and then you, you can go and find others. I love the word tribe because mm-hmm. that's really what it is, right? You know, you're kind of creating your, your tribe, the, the cohorts, people that are kind of with you and like-minded. Right, and it, that takes the pressure off the spend um, because, you know, I've built my business uh, primarily from word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think once you find people, the tribe, um, they'll go and find others and bring them to you or recommend them to you so that it, you don't have to spend as much money on, like, traditional marketing. I mean, you have to spend it. You're always going to have gonna to. You're going to have to, but I think if you can find referrals, too, by doing a great job for the right people that want your services, um, it takes a little bit of the pressure off. There's no better engine than referrals. I, I don't care Absolutely. what industry you're in. It doesn't doesn't matter. The referrals are always going to be your best bet because it's not even coming from your mouth. It's coming from someone else's mouth. So just that's the and I've seen that with every single company I've ever worked for is that someone asks, "Should I buy this computer?" "No, you shouldn't. Yes, you should because I'm one of the I'm on my computer all the time." I listen to that person versus someone's marketing from Dell or I'm looking at Adele right now. So obviously someone told me about it. Um, but the referrals are just, and it, same thing goes true with the philanthropy part, right? It's kind of the growing the, the tribe in a sense. Mm-hmm. And I think also, I mean, you raise a good point about, um, you know, recommendations and word of mouth. It's testimonials too, like having mm-hmm. testimonials on your website, having um, video of, your tribe uh, experiencing whatever product or service you're 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 promoting, um, so that people can really hear not from your voice but from your consumer. Mm-hmm. Awesome, I love it. This is awesome. I'm just uh, stoked that you actually you took the time because obviously uh, I loved working for you for the year and we've become friends since then. So it's great. So where for folks out there want want to find you? Where can where can they find you? Where should they reach out to you at? coffeeexchange.com. Spell uh, that just so because I know there's yes, a couple ways to go. So, so my name is coffee with C-O-F-F-E-Y exchange.com. So it's kind of a play on uh, the coffee houses of, of late um, 
where people came together, artists and politicians, the best and brightest would come and meet in a, in a coffee house and exchange great ideas, which was the way I came up with the idea for the business. So coffeeexchange.com. Awesome. Love it. Teresa, thank you so much. Thank As you, always, Tyler. this was great. All right. She is Teresa Coffee Gordon. I am Tyler Pyburn from Five Tool Productions. This is Create Smarter. You'll hear us next time. Take care.